How's it going, Deep Dive Sports fans? Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. I know it's been a little while, and I know that the guys are really excited to get another episode going. Uh, so we have a couple episodes. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I've been waiting for this for three months. <laughs> well, we got a couple of topics tonight for you guys. And uh, we're actually going to start off with the Kansas City Royals in baseball. So for those who do not know, the Kansas City Royals have decided that the days of playing at Kauffman Stadium, which is their current stadium, will soon be over. They have come up with two different locations and designs that both include a ballpark district. So I ask you, what do you guys think of the designs? Which do you prefer? Uh, and does a having a ballpark district make any difference in the local economy? And should more teams consider doing something like that? And I'll actually start it off with Dom since he's our resident baseball fan. Yeah. Um. So I am excited about this. I, I feel like the Royals have kind of needed a new stadium for a while. Um. While there's there's aspects of Coughlin Field that I like, um, mostly the waterfall and the outfield. I feel like the location of it kind of does a disservice to the team. Um, so looking at both of these designs, I like both of them. There, there's aspects of both that I like. Um, I like the location of the downtown stadium um, and the having the ballpark village and have it integrated into downtown. Um, I love that idea. I, I, I think a lot of stadiums, really all stadiums, should be in a downtown area. Um, so I love the location and the ballpark village in that design but the the actual ballpark in um i think it's i forgot the name of the neighborhood i think it's like the east village or something like that it's more of a suburban location um but that stadium design is beautiful like <laughs> it's one of the the best renderings for a ballpark that i've seen in a long time um so in my opinion if they can kind of put the stadium design of the suburban ballpark in that downtown neighborhood. And I, I think it will be one of the best venues for baseball and in, in all of major league baseball. And to go to the second question, um, the ballpark village, brilliant idea. Um, it's worked out amazingly for the uh, Atlanta Braves and the Cardinals. Um, I think the Braves ballpark village is, is more well-known, but I, I think the Cardinals did it first um or maybe around the same time i don't know um they they both came about around the same time i don't i forgot who was first but um they've had an amazing impact on the team and the local economy um you know with with the teams owning that whole like ballpark village area um that's more revenue for the organization um but it also creates a, a new neighborhood in downtown creates more restaurants and and bars to go to um, hotels and and stuff um, so it really does benefit not only just the team, but I think it really it has a positive impact in the surrounding um, downtown neighborhood as well. All right. That's definitely an interesting point. Yeah, I was looking at both two as well. And uh, I do it like if they would put in the like the waterfall aspect, kind of like in the background of the, the East Village one. And mm -hmm. uh but to be honest with you, I also like the idea of keeping kind of like their uh, like their um, scoreboard setup, where it was kind of like the, the crown on top of it as well. I always was like, that's a neat little scoreboard whenever I would watch the games for the Guardians and it would be in like Kansas City and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see them try and do some form of ballpark district because it's like it would benefit the team but also benefit the city to some degree as well. Cause it's like the, the team's employing hundreds, if not thousands of people more than they normally would. So Nick, well, and, and all the, the revenue generated from those businesses, most of that would go to the team, which means, you know, stadium renovations, paying players, either free agency or keeping the talent that they have. Um, so it, it's a, it's a good way to bring in more revenue without, you know, skyrocketing ticket prices jacking up food costs and stuff like that yeah. yeah i i almost think the uh the was it the um the northern kansas city location that one i think you're talking about dom looks more like the the suburb one um that almost kind of looks more like a destination almost almost more like touristy um 
the other one in in the East Village is right is pretty much downtown, like you were talking about. I do like the feel of it. Um, I'm a little a little iffy on that building, like right there in center field. Hopefully nobody goes out there I and think... jacks it into that building. But I I do I do like it. I like it right in in this city there. I think it's a good spot. I think what they've developed around it looks really nice with the rendering that they have there. But I just think like that in um northern Kansas Kansas City location, it just it seems more of like a just like a, a destination. Like I would want to go see that. You know what I mean? I would want to go watch a game there. I think the stadium looks a little bit cooler. Um, I love like that you could get there maybe early or depending on if the game was early, you could stay after and kind of it feels more walkable. Um, it feels more explorable almost, if that makes sense. So and it and it almost you think the suburban one feels more walkable or the downtown one? Yeah, the I think it's the suburban one. It's the it's the North Kansas City location. It's um okay. Yeah, I I just I just it just feels more like destination, kind of almost like when um the Raiders had their stadium in Las Vegas. You were like, I want to go to Las Vegas to see a game, not necessarily go do all the traditional stuff. Yeah, but that stadium's kind of worked into like the Vegas Strip area. No, I know. I'm just saying it gives me that like like I. Like I would want to go watch a Raiders game and go there for that. You know what I mean? This that stadium in the North Kansas City location gives me that feel where I'm like, I want to go. Like it seems like you could you would get more out of it than just a baseball game if you went there a little bit. I don't know. Not that the other one doesn't, but it just makes me feel a little bit more like there's a little bit more to do, a little bit more walkable, a little bit more openness. Um, and I don't know. And it's not jammed downtown. I kind of like I like the downtown feel of stadiums, but I also sometimes feel like they kind of just jam them down in there. Um, like I really like what they did with the crew stadium in Columbus. I feel like they put it downtown, but they found a spot that didn't jam it in the middle of, you know, other stuff. And they've, they're developing around it. You know what I mean? Instead of putting a stadium somewhere where it's already developed, they're going to develop around um, and give it, give it its own unique feel instead of just adding it to the city somewhere. Well, I, I think they're going to definitely do that to the best that they can in the in the downtown location if they do it. I just like how integrated it is because one, you don't have to really go out of your way to go to the, you know, if you're in from out of town or you live in Kansas City, just you're it's it's easier to get to the game if it's in downtown. You can either drive there, there's public transportation. Um, you could spend all day down there. You can do stay at the ballpark village, have lunch, have some drinks, walk across the street to the stadium. Or, you know, you're staying at a hotel downtown, you can either, you know, walk to the stadium. I don't know what public transportation is like in Kansas City, but, you know, hopefully there's some sort of transportation you can get to the stadium easily. I feel like if it's in a suburban area, it's you have to put in more effort to get to the game, which kind of takes the, the the joy out of it. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I do agree. I do think like, like I said, I think it has its benefits for both. I just think putting it in the North Kansas City location would give you more autonomy on building it out how you'd want to build it and building out the extra attraction. I mean, I think putting it in the city would be a little bit harder to kind of build what you would want because you're going to have to conform to what the city already, the inner city already is. You know what I mean? So I get both sides of it. Yes, obviously, um, I love the public transit route as a as a Pittsburgh fan going to um you know, Steelers games or even Pirates games, like it is very easy for them and the city there to use public transit to get to both of those stadiums. When you go watch like a Penguins game, it's outside the city. So obviously you have to drive to go, you know, to those games. You know what I mean? So I, I can see the I can see the different appeal to that, but also I don't know. The one out the one outside the city, inner city, it just feels more like I like I once it's built, I would actually you know what I mean, compared to like in the city, I'd be like, oh, that's just another baseball stadium inside of us. Yeah, there, there's, I guess you could, could say that. I guess you could say there's positive and negatives to both. Um, but yeah, uh, deep dive sports road trip, I guess. <laughs> I'd be down for that. And, you know, I guess kind of to like wrap it up, I guess, I guess looking at both of these, I don't think that they have a bad option looking at either of these stadiums. It's just what is ownership's priorities and I guess of the two, which is because I think both of them are very good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I do I do think like your your point of public transit and an ease to get to games. I think that that might win out compared to um like functionality. You know what I mean? I think that that they're gonna be like, yes, we could build a really cool stadium over there, and we can make you know 
more things to do we could make it more of like a um a come to destination tourist attraction but like are we gonna get that many butts in seats compared to if we were to put it here and i think that 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 is a big like if you were to build a stadium like that and spend that kind of money you know that's a big factor in it and it almost kind of feels like economic wise like for at least the team that seems like the better option because you plop it right there you're going to kind of bet that you're going to have more butts in well i think it'd be better for the city too and one example that i I like to look at is look at what the patriots did with foxborough instead of building a stadium in boston you know where 99 percent of their fan base is they built it like 40 minutes south and if you've seen a map of foxborough or looked at it at google maps it's a very small city and then you have a giant massive uh, nfl stadium and then, like, uh, not like haphazardly thrown together football village, but uh, a random ball or like ballpark village esque kind of thing with like eight, nine story buildings, shops, and and stuff like that. Like, it just doesn't feel natural in like a city where you know if you build it downtown, like that's something that you kind of expect to be in a downtown. You can work it into the neighborhood that it's in. Where building it out in the suburbs, like, you have single family homes next to. Uh, major league stadium and then a bunch of bars and restaurants like that to me it doesn't make any sense i will say though in in the render it doesn't look like there's any like single family homes in that because it, it, it's going to take up like a 90 acre plot of land which is a lot you know what i mean so like they're gonna yeah. they're gonna build that out and then yes i guess maybe zoom out there's going to be the suburbs around it but I'm wondering if they'll they'll do the density. I mean, they're gonna have that low density in suburb. They'll do mid density and do high once they get close to them. So I think it'll it'll make more sense, especially if they're gonna have 90, 90 acres of of land there. They're gonna be with. But like I said, I think I think that inner city is gonna win out just because it like making money wise, it makes more sense to plop it there. Um, unless you really think you're gonna make a ton of money, extra attractions you're gonna put at suburb area with them. Yeah. That makes sense. Um. Anyways, let's move on to the next topic because we got a couple more that we got to get to. Um. And the next one is the team up north, Michigan University, has decided to suspend head coach Jim Harborough for three games. This is you want to try that again, bud? Harborough, <laughs> Harbaugh, <laughs> Harbaugh. It's one. You know, it's University of Michigan, and I feel horrible for even saying that. Um. But it, it's also this is stemming from allegations that occurred during the COVID-19 dead period. Uh, one, what are your guys' thoughts on the matter? And two, is there any point to the suspension? Also, before we get into that, what do you, what would you want to call it, Dom? Oh, what? That school? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Booty. Um, Booty University, the University of um, <laughs> you know what is it? Uh, man, you know what's what's it called when when you get poop on? Oh, uh, you yeah, never mind. Okay, I poop. We'll go with poop. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go ahead and start with them. Uh, because I just wanted to say this. Like, this is like who really? Who, yeah, who cares? Who, who cares? Like, th- I just you saw something that they like they suspended some kid um at LSU for like taking money like a month before they decided to finalize nil like the ncaa is a joke at this point i was listening to to one of the to the sports talk radio station here and they were like what if just nobody listened like what are they gonna do like i don't like who was it they have no power they have no say in here no like but also like what is he in trouble for did he make them practice like what also, like Michigan is self-imposing this. It was supposed to be like four games, and the Michigan was like, "Well, if we're just gonna do it ourselves, like we'll just make it three. But it, they're just playing like poopy. I so have like, their schedule. They they play East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling. Did you did you hear what their their coach their head coaching rotation is gonna be? So each of their coordinators are gonna get a chance to be the head coach. So I think their like defensive coordinator is gonna be head coach for the first game. His son, who's like what offensive coordinator, I think. And then some other and the special teams coordinator are going to split head coaching duties by the half in the second game. And then they're like other coordinator is going to be the head coach for like the, their third game. Like it's and that's a great opportunity for those guys. It, but it's it's stupid. Like, I just don't not that I really give a crap about what freaking Michigan does, but like 
I just feel like the NCAA was like, was like, hey, can you not coach teams? I would just been like, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna coach those teams. Like, what, what are you gonna do? Like, what do you, what yeah. are they, what are they really gonna do? Like, I just don't understand. At at this point, like the governing body of the NCAA, like I would, I feel like the Big Ten and um the SEC, their governing body has more power than than the NCAA does. Like, I, I just yeah. don't. I don't really understand the point of this. I think it's stupid. I think it's gimmicky. I think at this point, I, I don't know. And again, what did he do? I, I don't know. That's the problem. When I looked it up for this question, I it just said that he was suspended for three games. They didn't say crap. I think it was it was it was recruiting stuff. Like I think it was recruiting violations. Um every team that I guarantee yeah. Ohio State had recruiting violations here. Yeah, every team has recruiting violations. It, dude, with with the transfer portal, it's a, it's like the freaking wild wild west out there. Like, I well, and that, that that's a whole other conversation. Like, all this nil stuff was rolled out with no plan. Like, there there's no guidelines or anything. Like, it, I I don't understand how the NCAA could be that incompetent. Where like they knew like five years ago that nil was coming. Like it wasn't official, but we all knew the direction. That... Do, 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 um, no, yeah, yeah, I froze. Yeah, I. I agree. <laughs> where, where did I? Where did I freeze? At? You were just talking about, about that. Years was coming. Yeah, like how do you how do you not prepare? It's because at, it's because at, they at didn't all. they they didn't want it to happen. I think they were living in this denial phase where where it wasn't gonna happen. And like I guess my well, thing... you you can not want something to happen, but you should. Be self-aware enough to know, like, okay, this is going to happen if I want it to or not. Prepare for it. Yeah, but this, this, this is what happens when you have like ding dongs in charge of stuff. Like, <laughs> that's I, the best way to put it. I, dude, I, I just don't, I, I don't understand. Like, I, and also, I heard something else about this too. Was like these little like self-imposed, um, like suspensions and stuff. Whether it's on players or on coaches, like, you know, sometimes people like I was hearing them speculate on whether or not it was actually than what we're here and basically they're just like hey you, you do that and then actually is going on um I, I don't know i don't know how much validity um, I, I would put on that but it's it's very like it's very interesting that the ncaa is like hey you did something wrong but we can't punish you but would you punish yourself and then they're okay with punishing themselves like it, it's this weird it's this weird dynamic that i don't really understand is going on right now like if i was any player or any coach, I would just be like, why are you, t-? if I was at AG somewhere, I'd just be like, why are you on the phone with me wasting my time when in reality you have no power over what's going on? Like, what was it, Memphis, like three or four years ago, whatever player they had that they wanted to su- suspend and they were going to play him anyway. And the only reason he didn't play is because he got in. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. don't, they were like, yeah, we're, what are you going to do? You can't do it. And I don't, I don't right, understand so why like- more people don't do that. Yeah, I know. Was it Arizona State is doing like a self-imposed one-year postseason ban? Like, yeah. Why? If the NCAA can't do anything about it, why would you punish yourself? But also, it's not like they're going to make a. There's not a good chance they make a bowl game anyway. So like, <laughs> does, well, like, it, like it, but but it, but it's the principle. But like, I mean, yeah, it's Arizona State. They're not going to compete for national championship. But it's not like they're the Citadel. You know, <laughs> like they're 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 a team that you know, is at least eligible every year, you know? And I guess this kind of ties into the fourth question that I originally had. And because I was going to break these up into two different areas, but we're also adding Oregon and Washington universities in 20, the way you say things kill me sometimes, Oregon, what the Oregon, what are we doing right now? (laughs) On the Oregon trails. (laughs) It's Oregon. Is it? Am, are we wrong? Like, I don't. Like, sometimes you say be, things and then I feel like adding, I'm not right. Like, I'm like, I'm, I don't understand. Anyways, how I enunciate things is be, beyond the point. You can have a whole episode on that. <laughs> we just correct Damon's <laughs> enunciation. <laughs> They'll be going into the uh, Big Ten for the 2024 NFL, or not NFL. Yeah, we got him so flustered, man. We got him so flustered. Okay, hold on, David. All right, I got you. Listen, Oregon, Washington, join the Big Ten. And what? What do? What does this do to NCAA football? Um, 
I don't really think it does anything like football wise. I just think this really affects the rest of campus. I don't know if you guys saw like comments. I think it was Ray's head coach. Um, I talked about this a couple weeks ago on like a recap episode of Ohio versus his comments on the mental health of, of student athletes. And I think that really like football, College football will thrive no matter what. I, I think you could you could put a tier system for college football. You could just say everybody who's not the top forty schools in you know the country, you're not playing Division One football. Like you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could you could just whatever. But college football will always be a thing that people want to watch and people want to be a part of, and they'll prop up and put all their money, and it won't matter. But really, what this affects is every other student athlete that plays any other in a college. And I think that that's something that we're going to have to look at and something that we're really going to have to think about because you're going to have a women's volleyball team from Oregon playing Rutgers on a Tuesday night, and then they're going to have to fly back the next day and then somehow make sure they get their homework done and go to class and not be friggishly tired. And it it's, it's just a very like interesting thing that we're going into right now. Um, but yeah, I don't. College football is gonna be is gonna the, be the the hypocrisy of of all of these conferences that say that they care about the student athlete and yeah. want them to succeed is is infuriating. It's, a, it's, at this it's point. about like money, it, man. Well, yeah, and like I I understand everything in our society is about money, but don't don't pull the shades over our eyes and say, oh, this is we care yeah. about the students when you cre- clearly don't. Like the, the the example that you mentioned it that that's someone's life is gonna be like that yeah. you know it, Tuesday night you have well d- don't forget you're getting to practice at like five thirty in the morning then you have to travel I mean if you're traveling across the country you're traveling probably on a Sunday and then hopefully you're not jet lagged and accustomed to the time difference but then yeah you have classes and you have everything else that you're trying to balance in life and. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're talking football, about football. At least they only play unless you're the Mac. You only play on Saturday, yeah. so like you, you can, you can handle that. Because um, you, you, but no, this you is this is clearly like Friday night and then Sunday and get yeah, most of your like classes this is, in like they can... they clearly have no regard for the student at what they care about is is making as much money as possible. And I, for a while, I feel like it's always been like this, but I think with NIL, it's kind of sped things up where. You know, you're seeing all this conference realignment. You're seeing a rapid change in the landscape of college but football. It's not, and, it's, and, and in my opinion, it's, it's not for the better. You know, all, all this all this conference realignment, I think, is is ruining college football in a way. Like, yeah, it's nice. We're going to see Ohio State play USC. But, like, I, overall, I think all of this realignment and bowl games no longer mattering at all, I, I think, lo- loosens a lot of the, the appeal that college football had. And now it you, you can't claim that it's it's amateur football anymore because it's it's professional football just at a different like at different organization. You have athletes being paid. You have these conferences that are acting like like individual football leagues at this point. Like it's it's not amateur football. It's very much professional, and I think it really has been for a long period of time. It's just players are getting paid. <laughs> you know what I mean. But they're not they're not getting paid like paycheck wise. And to your your comment, I mean, about NI, with, with their with their sponsorship deals, they are. Well, no, but it's not. But I'm not. I'm saying they're they're not they're not getting a revenue share from from college football. You know what I mean? Like that's not. Like, no, I, they, they can make yes. a million dollars on a podcast or but a I mean, sponsorship anybody, deal and stuff. Any anybody could. So I do think that like from an amateur standpoint, yes, players are making money outside of college football now, but they should have always been able to do that anyway. Like when we were in college, like if we had something, if we, if the podcast was super successful and we were in college, like, and we were getting brand deals from that and money from that, that's something that we'd be allowed to do. But somebody who's on the football team wouldn't have been able to do, you know what I mean? But to your point about NIL, I don't think NIL has caused this realignment. I don't think that NIL has anything to do with it. I think that what has caused, I think what caused the realignment is how much money that the like T streaming is willing to pay to have this product on their programming. And I think when you look at something, I think it's both. I think it's both. I, because I I think it's both because NIL has nothing to do with it because NIL is everything to do with the players. Like now, but you, you have to be able to afford like all of these schools have to to come to NIL agreements with with athletes, and they're gonna go where they can get the most NIL. 
So now teams have to follow the money and make a super conference, but a North not, for the South super the, conference. But the players are not getting the money from the university. They're getting it from businesses around the university and they're getting it from, from boosters or alumni. It's not, it's not coming from the university. So the, the money that the university is getting for TV money has no bearing on how much money the players are getting because it's coming from outside the university. Now, obviously, you could sit there and be like, I guess through some backroom deal, maybe a million dollars changes hands from the university to a booster and then to a student athlete. Sure, I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. But at the end of the day, the majority of that, the majority of the money is coming from or all of it should be coming from outside the university. So really what it is, is like you look at the Big Ten and you look at the the SEC, they're going to get the biggest money because they have the most teams. They have the the most talent on all their teams spread out. You know what I mean? They're going to put together the best product of football week in and week out when you play conference play. So it it, it is going to be something that'll be interesting you know, to watch money wise, but that's, that's why this realignment is happening. And honestly, the NCAA five, six, maybe even 10 years ago should have looked at what this was going to be landscape wise and created more of a cognitive um, like organization they should have took the reins of this and said there is no more big 10 there is no sec there is no acc there is no big 12 or pac 12 we're going to be ncaa college football and you're going to have your own regions or conferences or whatever it may be and we're going to split everybody up and make sure that we are one unified organization with what you said now is we just have basically these individual, you know, Big Ten, SEC, whatever they are, these conferences. They're individual leagues. Yeah, they're just acting as individual leagues now instead of one cohesive unit. And then they get together and play for a championship. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's the only thing that's going to probably cause a little riff within college football over the next five years is what, what role does the NCAA play now in, in college football? And how do they connect all these different littles that are basically? I don't think they're going to like. I don't think they're going to be able to. I mean, it, look at how incompetent they've been over the last twenty years. What makes you think that they're going to be able to salvage this situation? I think it's going to get to the point like people are already questioning the existence of the NCAA in the first. Yeah. You know that they, they have no. They, as the umbrella of the organization has deteriorated, you like. You know, there was the NCAA, and then you had all these conferences that fell underneath the umbrella that was the NCAA. The NCAA has deteriorated itself because of incompetence. And now you're left with, you know, five major conferences that are left to their own devices. This is the result of it. Yeah. Well, not even five because the okay, Pac-12 well, is pretty well, much two, dead. really. It's, it's really just, it's <laughs> it really just the SEC, the Big Ten. And I, I think... I mean, the, the fact that it's called the Big Ten when there's like 20 schools and it's kind of asinine, but I, I think it's going to get to the point where there's, there's it's 18. just going to be, there's going to be, in two, like, it, there's going to be 20. Um, what else are they going to add? Uh, whoever else they want to, no whoever doubt. else, and anyone from the, the ACC or anyone that's left out West, you know, whoever you want, because regionality of college football doesn't fucking matter anymore. So well, if, they, if they added like Notre Dame and Pitt, I think that would better i the i can see them adding notre dame and then probably going after clemson or something um yeah but i think clemson anyways I, I lost my i lost my train of thought but yeah oh we're not going to have like big 10 and sec anymore i think it's going to be a north versus south conference two conferences whatever arbitrary line they decide to draw to ter- to determine north versus south is probably what they're going to do yeah, and I then like, like i said i don't know why the ncaa didn't step in 10 years and go we're going to we're going to separate everybody into north south east and that that'll be the region you play in and then that's that like i, I just don't i don't really understand what we're going i don't know the direction me, they don't either it just really feels bad. like they've they've lost all control years ago yeah especially when they're like you suspend yourself <laughs> please i mean, i, I really <laughs> think i really think they started to lose control you know, probably like 5 or 6 years ago like i feel like it's kind of always been question you know, but you, you i feel like it's deteriorated when control when they when, started the playoffs no when they when they took reggie bush's heisman away. well because yeah. because deep down we all watched him <laughs> win a heisman <laughs> you know what i mean like this argument of like oh he he didn't on paper he didn't know we all lived him having one of the greatest rushing somebody's had in college football well and then they did the same thing with ohio state they 
took away their their bowl wins under Terrell Pryor and uh, yeah and Jim Trestle. But, but we but we watched it happen. So right. and I I think at the end of the day you're like how how do you take that away when it happens? Well, and it, I was watching something about the Reggie Bush situation, and like the, not only did they take it away, but like there's no evidence of anything that he was accused of doing. Also, it like, wasn't. They, it wasn't a performance thing. It wasn't like he did on the field. That that's that's the other thing that is crazy to me is like you took you took a performance award away from somebody who was not cheating to achieve it. You know what I mean? Well, like and their nothing... determination of everything was based off of, from what I gathered, two convicted felons that are not reputable people that that they shouldn't have taken their testimony in any sort of seriousness, mm-hmm. and they used it to. Take away Reggie Bush's Heisman and all of the records that were set by USC that season, and really set set that whole program back like a decade. Like it's been almost twenty years, and really only recently has USC become relevant. To, mm-hmm. Like imagine that twenty years that the NCAA set USC over nothing, literally nothing. And again, it's it's not even like you know, or like it's not even like he took steroids or. Or he had people break people's kneecaps, or n- none of like he did not. Well, it's himself... not like he he made any money off of his own likeness. Like he, there's really there's literally no evidence of anything that was ever accused of him. I mean, we he got money, but that's besides the point. Like, but every but <laughs> but everybody gets it. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. so like I listen. I I don't know. We could talk about this, but the NCAA is a joke. College football is. People are still going to watch it, so it's still going to make the money that you would want it to make. But eventually, we're gonna this bubble is going to burst in this cohesiveness problem, and somebody is going to have to fix it. And I just don't know who that's going to be, and I don't know what college football looks like after the bubble. Yeah, that is very, very true. I I guess you could say Nick called it here. <laughs> so. That bubble be popping. Anyways, let's move on to uh, the NBA and uh, one of its biggest superstars being Giannis. Um, so the Bucks superstar is saying that he won't sign any kind of extensions with the team unless he gets a title commitment from the front office. So I ask you guys, what will the Bucks have to do in order to keep Giannis? And if he doesn't stay in Milwaukee, where does he go? Don, you want to start this one? I feel like he kind of made it obvious of, of, of what he wants from the organization. Like, he just needs them to commit to trying to win, you know, do, doing their job. Their their job as, as an organization is to try to win championships. And I feel like as long as you have someone like Giannis, I think that's a given that you're going to go all in and then try to win a championship. Now, with the, the East being more competitive now than it has been in a long time, honestly. Um, you know, you, you can commit to trying to win a championship, but I wouldn't commit to, you know, guaranteeing to win one. Yeah, I feel like that's a guarantee that they may not be able to keep, but they can at least guarantee that they're going to try their best. Um, I would do that, <laughs> you know, tell tell Giannis, yeah, we're obviously you're on our team. We're going to try to to guarantee a championship. Like we're going to guarantee that we're going to at least try to win. Um, we're not going to trade your entire supporting cast away to, to play with, you know, the G League All-Stars with Giannis, you know. And then where do you think he'll go if he doesn't get it? I, I don't know. Giannis is not like any other star in the NBA, right? He could have turned down Milwaukee, hit free agency, and signed with L.A. or New York like any other superstar in the NBA would. But he decided to be loyal to the organization and stay in a small bar that really no other star would have stayed in. Um, I think Giannis is committed to winning over building a brand or building something, you know, outside of basketball or living that like superstar lifestyle. So I think he'll go wherever will give him the best opportunity to win champion, whether that's San Antonio Orlando of all places, you know, if they're able to to build something by the time his his extensions up um, to him, I don't think it really matters. Like there there could be an NBA team in Anchorage, Alaska, and if they have the best team and him joining will lead to a championship, like I feel like he'll go play in Alaska if he needed. To. That fair enough, Nick. Your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I I kind of feel like 
like these guys, Giannis to me is very, it's very weird because these NBA superstars, and I think each, every single one of them, but like, I mean, we've seen Kevin Durant, Team Hop, James Harden, Team Hop, you, you know, LeBron trade the whole team for one guy, you know, Kobe did it. Like, I think that this idea that you need to make this drastic change, try to immediately change our fortunes, like they, other than what, some injuries last year, um, in the year before, like they were a team that could have competed for an NBA championship almost every year the past like three or four years, especially since they they won the championship. Like I I just don't think that team is that far away. Obviously, I think they've aged, so some of those guys that they brought in when the championship are older. Um, but you know, it's not like it's not like Giannis has been sitting in purgatory like Dame. Like I think Dame has more of a leg to stand on when he goes, "I need you to build." a championship team right now. You know, I don't think Giannis has really has a leg to stand on or even has a leg to stand on to be like, if you don't, I'm going to leave because I feel like the Bucks have done a lot and have put a really good, solid team around him year in and year out, you know, since he's kind of hit his prime and they've hit their stride. So I don't know. To me, I think this might be a little bit more fluff in the air around him rather than maybe him saying it, or if he is saying it, I think he needs to kind of cool his jets and realize that he has had one of the better teams placed around him in NBA than I think a lot of other superstars had um, over the past, like, five seasons. So, I, like, like I said, a lot of those guys are aging, so I think that they need to switch them out, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't really I don't really see where his complaints are coming from. Um, what yeah. do the Bucks do in order to keep Giannis? If he's really honestly on this this kick where they need to build a championship team now. I mean, I think the only disgruntled superstar out there is Dame. So maybe you go to Dame and go, Hey, do you want to play with, with Giannis for like three or four years until the end of your career? He, and see, he's you adamant know? about going to Miami to the point where the NBA is investigating like any malpractice and people, that. Pe- people may want what they want, but if Milwaukee went to him and said, Hey, do you want to play with Giannis? I think that he would change his tune and he'd be willing to go play in Miami. It's not like, it's Does not he like have a no trade clause? Dame? Yeah. No, the only person with a no trade clause was Bradley. Oh, well then he he needs to shut his mouth and he has no saying where he goes if he's adamant yeah. about a trade. <laughs> you right. kind of get you know, get what you can get, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really the only piece that they could probably go out and get right now that would really kind of change his his mindset, but yeah, I, I, where he goes if he doesn't stay in Milwaukee, I I could see him looking at Dallas to go play with Luca. Um, and then I could see him maybe going to Oklahoma City because they have a lot of young talent. And I think that Giannis to me is not like he's a really good player, but he's a weapon. He's like he's like a Kevin Durant to me. Like he's not gonna be like your leader, like he's not gonna run your floor, but like he's he's one of the best weapons that we have. He's gonna be able to get a bucket no matter what. I think if you put him on that team, they have guys who can run, they have guys, um, they have a lot of young talent that they're not going to really need to pay right now. So I think that he could have a couple years there where they have a real homa. And then I think him and Luke. So I just think that if I was. Yeah, but with Kyrie there, I don't see, I don't see how that works unless they get rid of Kyrie. Ky- well, Kyrie's only on a three-year deal though. So, I mean. How much longer does, does Giannis have in, on his, on his deal? Maybe if you, if you get there, maybe Kyrie has like one year left. Maybe Giannis goes, get rid of this dude. And they go, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yeah. they, or they go, you got to play with them for one year and, and that's their big three. But I mean, I wouldn't call that a big three. Well, I mean, not just big in terms of name. Sure. But uh, I think Kyrie's, well, that's a different topic, but Ky- listen, as, as a basketball player, Kyrie's not washed. like he can still score as good as he used to. He can still play as well as he used to. He's just a locker room cancer. And I think that that, that overshadows. If he can play as well as he, if he can play as well as he used to, he would have won more in his. But he's he's never. But, but his, I, his his problem is he's a selfish player. It's like James Harden. It's like Russell Westbrook. Like those those two guys are a little bit different than Kyrie because they're inefficient. Kyrie's more of an efficient like scorer. But like those guys are very selfish basketball players. Kevin Durant, very selfish basketball player. They're they're not leaders. So like. Yes, you can go. You could go score thirty points, in, but that does mean no good if you can't lead your team to wins. You know what I mean? If you can't elevate the guys around you, Kyrie has never been able to elevate the guys around him. He didn't. His play 
elevated when LeBron got to Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like, LeBron is an elevator of his teammate. Like, Kyrie's never been that way. He's a locker room cancer. But as a talent, as a pure basketball talent, he's one of the most talented, like, ball handlers right. in the league, one of the and most talented because... Because of how Kyrie is, I don't see him wanting to play with Giannis, or I don't see Giannis wanting to play with him. But it's not it's not him, it's Luka. And I'm sure if Giannis went to Dallas and said, I want to come play with Luka, but not Kyrie, Dallas would find a way to get Kyrie up out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I just, like I said, I think him and, like, him and Luka together, or Luka and uh, Jokic together, those two, those pairings... Yeah would be no, cheat codes. That would be that would be something. That I could see working more than Dallas because there's gonna be less moving pieces. Like there's no Kyrie question with with, with Dallas. Yeah. You know, there there's some other pieces to make money work that they'll probably have to move off from, but Giannis and, and Jokic. Yeah. With with you know with the rest Dezante of that Murray. squad. Um yeah. yeah. I mean that, that would be something. I don't think they'd be able to pay everybody. You'd have to move on from what Porter uh but you you could keep the big three together. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> but I, I do hope, I hope he stays in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to stay in Milwaukee though, just because I, you know, coming from a, a city that's, that's considered a smaller market, we're used to seeing stars either not want to come here or leave as soon as they can. Mm-hmm. So seeing oh, NBA, like a superstar, not even just a star, a superstar that's considered one of the best players in the league choose to stay in a smaller market i to me that says a lot about um and i like to see that so i personally i would love to see him stay in milwaukee as as a Cavs fan that may 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 not make a lot of sense um because we have to go up against him more often um but i i hope he stays in milwaukee i mean listen there if if you look at chicago i think they're looking more to unload their guys than they are to keep them right now so maybe maybe Milwaukee could go look at Chicago and get you know maybe DeRozan or Levine. Um, like I said, I think Dame is an attainable piece for them. It just depends on whether or not you know, Portland's still gonna be crazy stingy. Like I understand they want a bag for him, but like you got to understand what his contract is and where he's at in his career right now. And I just don't know if you're gonna be like give me everything. And and I think the Rudy Gobert trade really really effed up what people's idea of what to give up and what to get for a superstar is because the Timberwolves were just stupid with what they gave up for. Um, I feel like a lot of teams would have given up similar patches for Rudy Gobert. Being, no. I mean, they gave up. Yeah. Maybe not as much. As, he maybe doesn't not score. As much as, like, yeah. He does, and and even and even t- those last couple years, like, yes, you're talking about a defensive player of the year caliber guy in his prime, but those last couple of years, he was not that guy anymore. So like, really, you're just like it. It almost feels like Minnesota was just playing two K, and they were like, "Oh, Rudy Gobert is still an, an eighty nine overall. <laughs> Let's give up all these picks for him." <laughs> and then like, they were like, "Oh, he's not an eighty nine. He's really an eighty one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're just like, what do you you really do?" And plus, yeah, cats a fraud. Don't so. don't give up your whole franchise for Rudy Gobert. And cats a, cat's a fraud, man. So it's just like, poor poor Ant. He's just there with like, what am I going to do with these two two ding-dongs? At least with Cat, he had like a good year, you know. It's it's not like he was, um, God, with the guy from Michigan. Or the play, the guy from De- uh, Detroit. Same draft as LeBron. Darko Milch. Yeah, Darko. Yeah, at least it's not like Darko Milch or Kwame Brown. As much as I was just crapping on Cat. He's not like Darko Milicic is another. No, like I'm saying, like at least he showed signs of you know being you know what everyone thought that he. Could. There was yeah. no no signs of that for Darko. Like I think I think Cat has had a decent career, but I just like I don't know. I think he's been a disappointment. I think that for I think it it's because we're asking centers to do things that humanly should not be possible. Well, like asking... someone someone that's seven that's seven foot. Should not be able to run like a guard and dribble like a guard and shoot threes like Steph Curry while also rebounding and playing defense. Like we're we're asking these centers to do things that shouldn't be physically possible to do. The thing, the and thing when and though, when they don't do it and we then they don't live up to those expectations, then we we think that they're shit. You know, it, if Cat was playing a traditional center role, I think he would be phenomenal. I think he would be a great rebounder. He could probably play inside a lot better 
then he obviously has been able to play outside. But because we ask our centers to shoot like guards and do things that naturally they, one, didn't develop skills to do that because they were always playing center. So now they get to the NBA and they're they're asked to shoot like a guard while also still playing defense and, and rebound like a center. Like it, we're asking to, them to do to things be, that, that shouldn't be possible. And when they don't live up to these unrealistic expectations, we think that they're shit. To, to be fair, though, that that is what NBA centers are supposed to be. Now, on the flip side of that is like when you get guys like Cat and Anthony Davis and you ask them to do those things, these guys are like the the last of the old generation of center it's back to the basket i don't even think he's like, an old generation he's been in the league we, what, we were in college when he came in the league like 2018 yeah, but, like we but when we but when we were in college they weren't asking centers to spread the floor like that they were like we were when we were in college like we were we were looking at the twin towers in in boogie cousins and anthony davis you know what i mean like we were looking i, I think at, we're going to get to the point where every team is just going to be like the the Warriors small ball lineup twenty like twenty sixteen twenty seventeen it's, it's positionless like basketball it, not only positionless basketball but I feel like people that are seven foot or higher are going to be too tall to play basketball because not everyone that's seven foot is going to be able to dribble like a guard not going to be able to spread the floor and shoot like guards do so it's getting to the point where this, like people that would play the center position just aren't going to be able, they're going to have to find a new sport to play because it's just it's physically just they're not going to be able to keep up with. You're going to, you're, you're, you're going to have more guys like Jokic. That's, that's what you're going to have. And I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily. Well, you, Jokic is an anomaly. Like uh, even though basketball is kind of going in that direction, like very few people on this earth can do even three quarters of what Jokic can do. But they, but they will because they're going to start training to do, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's... like it, it, it's yeah, they can train for it all day, but if they're, it, it depends on if their bodies will be able to keep up with it because someone that's seven foot naturally is, should not be able to move. That but we well. see, we see, we but, see it. We see it all the time. Like, but you also see a lot of, in, yeah, but you Jokic, see a lot of injuries with it too. Like we see a lot of injuries with the smaller guys too. Like this, yeah. this, this, this idea of like, because you're tall and like, or tall and thick that you're that you're way more injury prone than anybody else is ridiculous because we see it with anybody at any height at any size like yes yeah, injuries obviously have- like you can get injured because you're tall but like we've seen freak injuries happen with with everybody like it's just just because no. you're tall or just because you're short or just because you're thick or just because you're thin does not mean that you're going to get injured it has it's everything not, that's not what's, yeah I- like yeah, 90 percent yes, of it injuries, is just bad luck. That's, that's yes, what it injuries, is. Yes, injuries happen. Injuries happen. Don't 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 hurt me because okay, every time okay. I talk, you interrupt me. What are you talking about? <laughs> what well, are we doing? We're turning this into a nothing but net episode, apparently. So I'm taking back control of the episode before we go a whole another two hours about this, this freaking topic. <laughs> hey, you're you're the one that put this topic in here. <laughs> and unfortunately, I decided to let you guys continue. <laughs> so I lost control. Now I'm taking back control. <laughs> so all right, all right, NCAA. No <laughs> mute. All right. <laughs> Anyways, final point: Giannis and oh, and Jokic are, are, an, are they're, they're anomalies. You can't use them as examples for everybody else that's playing not basketball. anomalies. That's what the whole league is now. Look at look at like <laughs> who was it? Apollo uh, Boncaro, Jabari Smith, um, Cade Cunningham. They're all fucking six ten. What are we talking about? Like they're all huge. Like Cade Cunningham, so six eight, six nine. Paulo Boncaro, Jabari now. Smith, Chet Holgram. They're all six ten. Oh, hold on. What? What, what did you just say, Dom? <laughs> I'm I'm looking him up because I I I know Cade Cunningham plays point guard, but I don't he's know. Like, I don't know. He's, he's like he's six six. He's six six. He's there's no way. He's he's like he's, six, eight, basketball six, basketball reference has been six six. Yeah, well, they're long. So right. like because basketball reference has LeBron shorter or taller than what he actually is all the time too. It flips back and forth. But we're but we're talking about like like I said, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paulo Boncaro. They're all six ten. Um, you have you have Giannis, KD. They're freaks. They're six ten. Like AD's a seven footer. He's pretty athletic. Cat's pretty athletic for seven foot. Like so, we're 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 in a league now where the majority of your guys are going to be taller. They're going to be so. This idea of them whatever is stupid. But that's that's where the NBA is going. Is where we're going to have positionless basketball because you can have 
a guy who's six 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 seven play the point guard position, or you could have a guy play who who's like six ten run the floor like Jokic runs the floor for the Nuggets majority of the time, and he's a seven footer. So that's where we're at right now, and a lot of a lot of youth is going to adjust their game to that, especially the big men. They're going to adjust their game to being able to pass, to being able to shoot, but to also being able to rebound and and play interior offense. Like think about think about three point shooting. Three point shooting was never this big to do until like we started seeing like Ray Allen and Kyle Korver and yeah, like guys I... start doing it, and then Steph comes in the league and it blows up, and now everybody. Everybody has a three-point shooting percentage above thirty-five percent because that's because that's what they're trying to do, is become a more well-rounded basketball player. Especially as we get more guys from overseas, I don't think people realize, but this like this out-of-the-country wave of basketball players that's going to come in into the NBA over the next five to ten years is going to be ridiculous because you're because they've been playing an, an all-around style basketball this whole time. So you're going to get those guys who can pass, who can dribble, who can shoot, who can drive to the lane, who can get rebounds, who can play back to the basket, who are like 6'9 to 7 foot and can play almost any position, if not all positions on the basketball. All right. Before we get into a whole other separate topic about <laughs> I'm going to move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I got it. It's, it's fine. And talk to her another two hours. I'm going to move on to our next topic and kind of like, I guess you could say the last topic that we have. So we have the NFL season about to start. So I just want to ask you guys, what are your expectations for the season as a whole? How do you think the Brown season's going to go? How do you think the, the Steelers is going to go? So with the Steelers fan in the group as well, I'm going to start with Nick on this. Um, Listen, I think the AFC North as a whole is going to be the hardest to win in football. I think it's yeah. going to produce three playoff teams. I think that if everybody is healthy this season, I think all four of those teams, their floor has to be nine wins. I think that when you look at that, I think if they have anything less than nine wins, I think it's a failed season um, for all four of those teams. Obviously, I think the biggest question mark in that division is going to be Kenny Pickett with the Steelers and whether or not he's ready to be a pro-style quarterback. Um, but... I think we'll see that. But again, I think that Steelers team is good enough to get nine. Um, even if he's playing exactly like he was those last six, I think that's a nine. Um, I think the Browns need to win the, I think if they don't, um, what it looks like for cap wise for them, I think that they're looking at a bad situation going forward. I think that they need to capitalize off of this year, maybe next year to go to Super Bowl. If Deshaun Watson is what Deshaun Watson was in Houston, that should probably be the best team in the honestly like I think when you look at talent wise like I, I like Joe Burrow as a quarterback but Deshaun Watson at what he was in Houston might even have been a more talented quarterback than what Joe Burrow I think we have to see it um against each other but not that I want Deshaun Watson to be successful <laughs> I've said that a bunch but when you talk about pure talent on the field I think he could be one of the more talented quarterbacks in that division but again I think nine wins is the floor I think the ceiling for the Browns is 13 wins and I think the ceiling for the Steelers is probably 11 wins I think that's probably fair um somewhere in there like I said I think the uncertainty with with Kenny Pickett is what even as a Steelers fan is holding me back from being like we're gonna win a Super Bowl um <laughs> but like no your defense could do it I listen. I that defense is top five year out, but you you need a guy to run the offense. You need a quarterback. It doesn't matter how good the yeah. rest is. So, like I said, I think if Kenny Pickett comes out on fire, then maybe halfway through the season I'll change my mind. But like I said, I think I think nine wins is the the floor. Eleven wins a ceiling for them. Nine wins is the floor for the Browns. Thirteen. Um, NFL expectations as a whole. I think we see Kansas City in the Super Bowl again. I just think that until they're not in the Super Bowl, I'm not going to say they're not going to make the Super Bowl from the AFC. I just think they're Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are the next Tom Brady and Patriots. As unfortunately as what people might want to, you know, think that is, I think that's the era that we're moving into, right? Josh Allen is going to be Peyton Manning. You know, I think we have um, Joe Burrow will be, I don't Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger will be a better comparison because Ben Roethlisberger had more bites at the apple. But I think that'll be your three, like, top dudes in, in the AFC this year as long as they're all healthy. Um, I think the Miami Dolphins have a good chance to make some noise. I don't think they're getting enough love for what they have. But as long as Tua does not get concussed again, I think that's a team that could that could push and, and rival the Kansas city chiefs, especially with Tyreek Hill's speed. 
Um, on the NFC side, I care who comes out of the NFC because I there's other than the Eagles, I don't know if there's really a team that Eagles and the 49ers, but I don't after after that, I don't really think there's a deserves to be. Um, well, the 49ers have a big question mark too. Yeah, but I've, if Brock Purdy's healthy and can play like he did last year, I think I think that that's a that's a team that could make it. I think those are a team that obviously could are probably going to go back to the goal again. I think a Kansas rematch. Um, I think the Lions are going to do a lot better than what people think they're going to do. I think um, I think the the Bears aren't going to do as well as I think people think they're going to do, but I don't think they're going to do as bad as others think. I think I think we see a lot better Justin Fields than we have, but. I still think the Bears have a lot to improve on. And my team and player to watch this year for the NFC is going to be Jordan Love and the Packers. I'm very interested if this experiment works again. <laughs> um, I'm going to be so mad if it does, honestly. But I mean, it, listen, I think... Nothing against Jordan Love. Yeah. But I hope he's successful, just not in Green Bay. If Listen, if it, if it works, I want to know why it works. You know what I mean? Like, I... I want to know what they do during those years of development to turn him into to turn their quarterbacks into their next franchise quarterback because because no when you're learning from Hall of Famers you know Aaron Rodgers was able to but learn it's from gotta, Brett Favre it's 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 got to be more than that you know what I mean because like I'll use the Steelers as an example Mason Rudolph still but and he got to learn under Roethlisberger you know what I'm saying like like in Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback a Super Bowl champion like. I think that you could put him in the same conversation as a lot of those guys he played against. You know what I mean? So I think that it it doesn't always work. So I want to know what they do to make this work because no other team has been able to replicate. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no other team that I could go back and think of that's been able to replicate it other than when you look at like what Joe Montana and Steve Young. But like even then, like Steve Young and him were battling it out at the quarterback position. Like it's not like Steve Young was a, was a scrub or like a guy who clearly wasn't going right. to win that job. You know what I mean? So like we're talking about guys who are drafted that clearly aren't going to win the starting quarterback job who over a three to four year time span, they develop into their next franchise quarterback. How are they doing it? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Well, and, and it's not like, you know, they've had different front offices. So it's not like they've had a GM and, and front office in place for 30 years that have a system in place. You know, it's, if they've had multiple regimes in there. So it, either, you know, whoever started this development has been able to bring people in and kind of teach them and then they kind of carry it forward. I mean, that, that's that's really the only thing that I can think of because there's definitely something in the scouting department that they're able to pick up on on good quarterbacks. Here's here's a theory. Do you think it's just a special kind of cheat? Yeah, you know, I maybe I wonder if there's a correlation with how much dairy they consume in Wisconsin to quarterback play. Do you, yeah, do you think that maybe they just make a special quarterback cheat? Almost like, think about, now, I'm oh, I'm glad we don't have that many listeners because I'd get canceled for this. But you know how, like, in Black Panther, it's that little row, you know, they grind it down. Do you think there's a cheese version of that for quarterbacks in Green Bay? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they, like, probably cheddar. they, like, melt it down into a nice dip, and then they give him a nice lime tortilla chip, and they go, and you will become good. And that's knowing, how they that's how they pass the baton poured over, over some French fries. <laughs> Make it into a poutine or something. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just does a ceremony before he leaves. You are now Green Bay quarterback. Here is the cheese. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they the cheese pass. The cheese pass. And also, before I get to Dom's thoughts about the Browns and Steelers, I don't care for your comparisons of Joe Burrow to Philip Rither. Philip Rivers. No, well, I, I, yeah, like Joe Burrow doesn't have thirty kids. I, I was just <laughs> no, about to say. I, I was. I was. I feel, I, if that was the case, I feel bad for Joe Burrow's girlfriend. So, wife. so, in fairness, I was trying to think of what the third quarterback was in that era for the AFC, and I forgot about Ben Roethlisberger for a second. But I do think that he would be more of the Ben Roethlisberger, where like he has the talent to win the Super Bowl, but he's just always going to run those two juggernauts. On, on either side. Or Joe Burrow might become the Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? We don't know like what that dynamic is going to... Um, I don't trust the Cincinnati organization to really do right by Joe Burrow, but... Hold on one second. Can I just might say this again? You forgot about Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. <laughs> is it, you know, you're a Steelers fan. I figure like you have a shrine of Ben Roethlisberger in your house somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a big fat head of him on my wall. <laughs> 
No, I just I was just trying to find a third quarterback to com- to compare him to because I think in that era of the AFC where you had Peyton Manning, you had Tom Brady, you had Roethlisberger, you had Philip Rivers, you had Carson Palmer. Like I think those are probably your five top quarterbacks from that era of football in the AFC. Um, unless I'm missing somebody, but I just think that I think hey, he won a Super Bowl. I think that those are probably your five quarterbacks that you know what I mean that that we could be going into this next era compare people. I don't know. So, John, what are your thoughts about the Browns? I think I write this down. I agree with Nick a lot in in what he's had to say. I know it's it's shocking, you know. Um, it's a monumental. <laughs> sorry, day sorry. For we'll, we'll, we'll find something to argue about in a minute. It, it, it's it's a monumental day for deep oh. sports when when me and Nick agree on something. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly, and we'll get to that to Nick's point in a second. Considering this last, I guess you could say, fun question that I have. Um, no, I I think the AFC North will be the toughest division in, in the NFL this year. Um, I think if things go as planned, you know, it, as much as I don't like Deshaun Watson, um, I, I don't think there's any denying that he's a great quarterback. Um, and I, I said this this off-camera last night, um, if he's 80% of, of what he was in 2020 in Houston, the Browns should be at least in the AFC Championship game. Um I, I think the the floor for the for the Browns. I, I don't think they have to win the division. I just think that they have to make the playoffs. Um, I, I I don't think winning the division is necessarily the goal. I think it's just making the playoffs. Um, and then from there, it, it's anybody's game. Um, I think the floor for them is, is nine wins, like Nick. Um, I think the floor or the ceiling, um, again, like Nick, probably about twelve to thirteen wins. Um, I think the Steelers. There's a lot of hype with them right now. I think if Kenny Pickett can just manage the game, show signs of growth, um, and not turn the ball over. And I don't think he needs to throw for, you know, 35, 40 touchdowns. I think if he could be a serviceable starter and, and show growth, I think this is a definite playoff team. Um, I think that the Baltimore Ravens, I think they're a little overrated, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I know they're switching offenses, but I, I don't, as much as I like Lamar Jackson as a person, I don't really have any faith in him as a passer. So I don't I don't know how well he'll do in a pass first offense. Um, I think there's a lot of holes on that defense, and really outside of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, there, there's a lot of questions on that offense. Um, and until proven otherwise, I think the Bengals are the are the best team of the division. Um, they they won the division the last couple of years. They're going to be favored to win it this year. And then until someone knocks them off, I'm going to still put them as the best team of the division. Um, but for the NFL overall, I I think. Everyone knows how good the AFC is, but I don't think it's going to take as many wins as people think to get to the playoffs because all of these teams are playing each other so much that I, th- I think the the AFCs are going to cannibalize each other and everyone's going to be, you know, you're going to have a couple of teams like like the Chiefs and, and the Bills probably that are going to really run up the win total. But I, I feel like everyone else is going to be hovering around 500 because everyone is just so good. Um, so I, I think it's going to be super competitive, but... I, I think there's going to be a couple teams that that run away with it being Kansas City, maybe maybe Buffalo or you know Cleveland or Cincinnati, maybe um, NFC. I think it's it's Philly and and San Francisco as the clear two top teams, with Philly probably having the edge in that, um, just because of how good Jalen Hurts is. I think the Cowboys are overhyped again as always. Um, well, to be fair, it's the Cowboys. They're always overhyped. to be yeah. Again, it's the Cowboys. They're always overhyped and. They're that I can go on to Stephen A. Smith style rant about them, but I'm not. I, I think the NFC North to me is very interesting because of Jordan Love, because of the Detroit Lions and how good I think they could be. I think the Minnesota Vikings, maybe they surprise some people. Um, I feel like as long as you have Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins being a serviceable quarterback, like uh, I feel like they're they're going to be competitive. Um, I don't think they're going to go from 13 wins last year to, to four wins just because they don't have Dalvin Cook anymore. Um, I'm also very intrigued to see the Bears and if Justin Fields can live up to the hype that he has this year. Because um, I feel like a lot of the hype around him, it, it's not because he was making amazing passes and being a great passer. It was all because he was, he was pulling off 60-yard runs once a game. Um, so obviously I, I want to see him continue that. Um, and I don't think that's going to be something in his game that he's going to lose. But I want to see him develop more as, as a passer because that's what it's going to take to win. Um, he can he can run as much as he wants to, but if, if he's not able to 
refine his passing game, the Bears aren't going to go anywhere. Um, so I, I want to see a lot of growth from him. Other than that, I, I think the NFC is kind of going to be overlooked because all of the, the stories are going to be coming out of the AFC. Yeah, that's that's really fair. And um, I think you guys covered everything that at least I was hoping. So this leads to my final fun question, I guess you could put it. How are your guys' fantasy teams going to perform this year? Especially considering we're all three in the same division. Still mad that we expanded our fantasy league, but I, I think, I don't know, I like all of our teams. I, I, I know it's still early. Obviously, the season hasn't started yet, but I, I think the three of us have very solid rosters. I I think that this will be the first season, because I think we're, we're going to our sixth season now of our dynasty. Mm. Um, I I think that in the six seasons, it's been the three of us, Antonio, in the top. Um, I don't think there's been anybody. Um, so, no. I won two, Nick won one, Antonio won one. I've, I've won two. You won two, so me and you yeah. have won two, Antonio's won one. And I think David's won one. I think that's I think that's been it. Or did David win? Maybe I, I have not won. You haven't won one? Yeah, I've I think had I've top won. three finishes. I finished second and I finished third. But don't never... you don't you get me don't you get me started on that? Don't you dare get me <laughs> but, started on but that. But to to my point, yeah, I think what? the your one top three finish was because after the games had started and I could and I couldn't adjust my roster, my kicker like got hurt during warmups and missed the game and <laughs> he beat me by three points. <laughs> um but no i i think i think this will be the first year that we two out of the four of us not made the top three i think that you're, i mean listen I, I i do too but i just think with the amount of changeover that we've had with with players i like i was able to keep my wide receiving core intact so i still have the same three wide receivers that i had um I was still able to keep Derrick Henry, which I think will be a, a big, you know, it's still a, a big factor for me. But outside of that, I have a, a new starter. I have a new quarterback core. My secondary wide receivers are different and all my other running backs are different. Um, So my tight end core is different. So I, I just think that at the end of the day, like I have a feeling I'm not going to make it in the top three this year just because I did draft a little bit future wise this year when we did our expansion draft. Um, and when I did that the first season, when I drafted for the future, I ended up like third, I think. So I think there's a good chance that, that I fall out of that. I think I'm one of the ones that fall out of the top three. Um, again, I, I, I don't know, I, but I do, I know that you weren't a big fan of the expansion draft, but I, I think it was the most fair way to spread the talent out. So those two new teams were able to get well, some Yeah, talent. no, I, I'm not, I'm not mad about that. I think how we did it is fair. It's just, I, I like the super teams that we built. Yeah, I know. And I wanted to see my <laughs> super team go against your super team again. I was I I was starting to get a little like not bored with it, but I kind of just felt like if we mm-hmm. if we I had a down year, it, I had a down year. I was oh, I was I've been ready to go. If we, I I just felt if we didn't spread it out a little bit, um, we would start losing. You know what I mean? I think that's in in as you know, in any good commissioner of a league, you got to look at the landscape of things and be like, and again. Over our first five seasons, you had the same four people that finished in the top three. I just think that when you look at the rest of the league and you add two Newtons in there, you got to kind of spread the talent out a little bit. So it makes it a little bit more competitive, a little bit more fun. Um, I, I just think that, I don't know. I, I think that, that that just makes it better. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think I'll do pretty well this year. Uh, I just hope I get to frustrate Dom again at some point. Don't know what it even even in fantasy baseball. I don't like I I have the second best record in fantasy baseball this year, and David still finds a way to beat me. Like I finally beat you last, week, mm. and I think that was one of the few times I've beat you in any fantasy. Yeah. I don't get it. It's like Dang. my teams know that they're playing you, and they all decide we're gonna forget how to play the sport that we're playing. David, you're and just right. yeah, <laughs> David, my crib, and I don't know how because. He, he doesn't affect the game at all. You're the you're you're the Bengals and David's the Browns. <laughs> and I just love that it drives you insane. So <laughs> David's like, I will right. lose every other game, but when Dom when I'm playing Dom, everybody has to have their best game. <laughs> and, and if if David's my only two losses, that means I'm going to the playoffs, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> all right. But anyways. It's been a fun episode. Thanks for joining me today, guys. And to the Deep Dive Sports fans, 
Thank you for tuning in again for another great episode of Let's Talk Sports.